Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into a What's Up? Happy Wednesday. Hey, you're back at it. I know it's a weird week. I feel you. It's a very strange week. We are now back after the 4th of July celebrations. Happy Independence Day. Happy 4th of July back. And then you have just a couple of days before you get another weekend off to slowly ease yourself back into your hard work week. But that means today is like a day of, oh my gosh, now I have to play catch up with everything. So let's unwind your brain just a little bit here and let's carpe diem all over this place. What do you say? Welcome into it. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation. Here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard. We love you to death. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Bottom of the hour, Carl Delfeld. He is the Senior Fellow at the Senior for Economic Security. He's the Chief Global Analyst for Kabat Wealth and the author of the book Power Rivals. America and China's superpower struggle. We'll chat with him about the ever-changing political landscape. It is a fascinating landscape to watch. And if you go back and just watch politics from 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and the further back you go, the more fascinating it becomes of where we've come, both as political parties and just the political mindset in general, which is fun. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July weekend. So uh, Monday, yes, we were here live on Monday. I had uh, made my complaint known of some of the social media or the uh, online streaming services of like Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max and some of those about the lack of 4th of July or Independence Day or even patriotic movies or TV shows. And anyway, I kind of made my point known. I did my session. I I vented, and now I feel much better. Thank you very much. I do have to get credit, though, on the – it was on Hulu, but it was a History Channel show. Uh, Show of hands, how many people have seen the TV show The Men Who Built America? Now, they have off branches of that as well of different series and different different focuses that they have. I watched and I ended up watching all four episodes, which each episode was like an hour and a half long. Yeah. Yesterday was the first day that I don't remember how long where I did absolutely nothing all day and it was much needed. I was exhausted after the last couple of weeks and I sat there and it was almost like five, six hours worth of content. I watched all four episodes of The Men That Built America, The Frontiersmen. And it started off with Daniel Boone uh, during the Revolutionary War and the uh, expansion outward into the Kentucky area. And then it went into a little bit of Andrew Jackson, went into Kit Carson, it went into Davy Crockett. And it was about the frontiersmen and the hard lifestyle that these individuals had in their Western expansion across the nation. Uh, Also went into the Native American side of it with Tecumseh, which was trying to do the revolt and fight back to retake some of the lands uh, against the white individual. And it showed both sides beautifully. It was a wonderfully made documentary or docudrama because the vast majority of it was reenactments with actors, which was really fascinating. And I have to give credit because that was a very intriguing documentary and it was very patriotic and I loved it. And that's what I ended up watching all day yesterday. 
Yeah, I sat there and watched all four episodes, all of them, each of them being about an hour and a half a piece. So I, <laughs> I did absolutely nothing yesterday, and that's what I was hoping to do after such a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Obviously, there is a lot to talk about and recap from uh, those who may have been completely tuned out over the last week because of the 4th of July holiday, and uh, you have a lot to catch up on, man. The Supreme Court made a lot of crazy decisions on Friday, just the big dump of, here you go, let's watch the panic ensue from the left side of the aisle going into the holiday. Happy Independence Day, everybody. We have that. We also have the news that broke, I guess, the big story of the day. I mean, I guess we have What's to. What's trending today is, of course, the uh, news coming out of the White House where apparently law enforcement has confirmed what this source is after being evacuated yesterday due to a concern of some type of toxin or some type of chemical being laced into the White House. But they found a white powder in the White House and it has been confirmed that it is cocaine. And now the White House completely um, surprised, baffled on where this may have come from as they have no clue where this cocaine may have come from in the West Wing of the White House. Can you give any more details on where the Secret Service found cocaine in the West Wing and how it got? So, as you know, this is under the preview of the Secret Service. Uh, they are currently investigating uh, what happened over the weekend, so I would have to refer you uh, to the Secret, First, the Secret Service on all of this. But one thing that I can share, that I'll, that I'll uh, share a little bit more information, as you know, the, the, the President and the First Lady and their family were not here this weekend, as you all reported on this, and as you also know that they left on Friday and returned just yesterday. Uh, where uh, where this was discovered uh, is a heavily traveled area where many White House uh, West Wing, I should be even more specific, uh, West Wing visitors uh, come through uh, this particular area. I just don't have anything more to share. It is under investigation by the Secret Service. This is in their purview, and so we're gonna, going to allow uh, certainly the investigation to continue. Have no clue where it came from. No clue where it came from. Now, of course, the Biden administration completely in denial here. We were out, had nothing to do with it. We were out this entire weekend when they found the cocaine. I have a question for you, and it's a very simple question. How do we know that it only showed up this weekend? I mean, it could have been there for a month and we just found out about it. Because according to uh, what we're finding out on where it was found is not a place where I'm sure that many uh, tourists would be having access to. Now, they say that it was in a very public area where many staffers and tourists are able to go into the West Wing, but according to Politico.com, the small amount of cocaine was found in a cubby area for storing electronics within the West Executive Basement entryway into the West Wing, where many people have authorized access, including staff or visitors coming in for the West Wing. Let me read that one to you again. The small amount of cocaine was found in a cubby area Storing electronics within the West Executive Basement entryway for the West Wing. So if there were tourists or guests coming into the area, then they would have had to go into a cubby where there were electronics being stored. Totally a place that I would like totally look as a tourist in the area. Going through the West Wing of the White House be like, wow. But it does really, honestly, it does bring another meaning to um, the White House. <laughs> See what we did there? The White House, get that one. So we now we have 
cocaine being found there and the Biden administration saying, well, we have no clue where this came from, have no idea. It's in a very public area, apparently in the back of a cubby where electronics are stored, where there's some white powdery substance. We evacuate the place and thinking it could be something detrimental, not detrimental, but we find out that it is actually cocaine. There's there's a couple answers that we could throw out there just as an idea uh, with someone who actually has a history of using that stuff on a semi-regular basis and is actually not in trouble in any way, shape, or form because of the use of that, even while possessing an, an, a, a firearm illegally. But don't worry, we'll just wipe that under the rug as long as you pay. <laughs> Again, wipe that one under the rug. See, I'm on a roll today, man. Welcome in. All right. That's after. No, let me try that again. All right. After we come back from our 4th of July celebration here, they uh, I have no idea where that could have possibly come from. So now the bigger question is, is maybe it was someone trying to plant it to make the Biden administration look bad, whether it was a tourist or even Democrat, the DOC, uh, the DNC in general, who just wants Biden to be gone because he's not going away. But I highly doubt that because right now, according to the latest polls, Biden's still up right now. And while Democrats may not like the fact that he's up in the polls, he still is, and therefore they don't want to lose their chance to, to win the presidential election of 2024. The other option is that they're going to make Hunter Biden be the fall guy after Hunter Biden did not get the appropriate punishment in his previous investigation with the slap on the wrist saying that, well, as long as you pay the taxes on the 100 whatever it was, $150 million that you didn't register with the IRS that would throw anybody in jail for a lifetime if we tried to do that, then we'll let go of the other charges, including illegally possessing a firearm while on an illegal substance like, like, what was it again? Oh, that's right. It was cocaine. Oh, that's right. I, I totally forgot. Totally forgot that one. Now, I my guess was going to be when they said this and they were looking for the investigation and it being the, in the back of a cubby uh, in the electronics segment, uh, section of this cubby where it is a public area, but it was kind of in the back of it where they usually don't store a lot of stuff. My guess on Jeopardy for 100, please, would have been they would have found a way to try and blame it on the Donald Trump administration because that's how Donald Trump wasn't sleeping at night but meandering about the White House where he was probably doing cocaine. And while it's been sitting there for three years, we finally just find it today or yesterday. And therefore, oh, just the remnants of Donald Trump, another hit on him. You know, you know that's coming. You know that's going to happen soon. So ridiculous. So the investigation, and I say that in air quotes, the investigation is ongoing as Karine Jean-Pierre says that they have no clue and it's under the purview of the Secret Service. So therefore, she has no information, but wants to reiterate very clearly that the Biden family was not there over the 4th of July weekend. And therefore, we don't know when it actually was placed there, but this is when it was found when they were conveniently gone. So, as you know, this is under the preview of the Secret Service. Uh, they are currently investigating uh, what happened over the weekend, so I would have to refer you uh, to, the Secret First, to the Secret Service on all of this. But one thing that I can share, that I'll, that I'll uh, share a little bit more information, as you know, the, the, the President and the First Lady and their family were not here this weekend, as you all reported on this. And Oh, see, see, trying to do the gas. See, you already reported he's not there. I mean, Joe Biden was gone. Hunter Biden was gone. The whole family was gone. They were out on vacation like they do every other day. Anyways, they weren't even there when this was found. So therefore, obviously, it can't be ours. So it could potentially be a staffer, which would be the fall person, or it would be a tourist walking through the West Wing, which I don't know why they would be in the basement of the West Wing uh, in a cubby where they would be storing electronics. So that's an interesting theory. But I guess that's where 
a lot of people hang out and what they really truly want to in a, a very in-depth tour of the White House as they're looking through every cubby, even looking for the electronics that are in the West Wing and in the basement of the West Wing of the White House as well. Man, they will find every way to try and do the scapegoat here. But the question is, will we see some type of ramifications from this? Because if you you know that if Donald Trump were in office at this time when it was found, he would already be arrested. You know this to be fact, even you on the other side of the aisle. You know it would be truth that no matter what, Donald Trump could be in Mar-a-Lago, but they found it in the White House. It was his administration. He should already be arrested and be removed from office. They would already have up the articles of impeachment. They would already be removing him and uh, advocating for the 25th Amendment. And boom, he would be done over. This one, got to do an investigation. Not really sure. It's in a very public area in the back of a cubby where they store a bunch of electronic stuff in the basement of the West Wing. Very public area in that basement. I've been to the West Wing. I don't remember going in the basement. We did do the tour through the White House. We got to see the front, the door of the West Wing. And this was during the Bush administration, I believe. So uh, he wasn't there at the time. We did not get to see anybody, but we got to walk through the West Wing, got to see where the press uh, conference room is, got to see some other areas. The war room didn't get to actually see it, but got to walk past the war room in the West Wing. Don't remember going into the basement. I could be wrong, but don't remember going in there. This is going to turn out not so good for the Biden family and whether they make Hunter the fall guy and take him back to rehab so that way the problem just goes away or whether they continue to just put on the blinders, which is probably my guess here, to make sure it just goes away. We don't really know. There's no proof that we had any of this this stuff. There's no proof that we used it or put it there in any way. It's probably just a touristy group. Have no idea is probably what we're going to get out of this. I'm honestly surprised that we even found out about this. I'm honestly surprised the media is even reporting on this. Unless they want Joe Biden to go away, which is very possible as well. Happy Wednesday, man. We got a lot to recap here. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back in. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you hang out with us, we always love you to death and appreciate you doing that very, very much. By the way, we did do some breakdowns on the Supreme Court rulings that happened on Friday last week regarding affirmative action. That 50-year precedent gone out the window. Finito. We'll talk about that here maybe a little bit later as well. I have some more audio clips. That one getting really the most backlash right now. The student loan forgiveness program also done. Finito. Supreme Court said, nope, can't do that one. Can't use the HEROES Act of 2006. Obviously, since we're no longer in a declaration of emergency anymore with the COVID-19 pandemic. So the Biden administration working on Plan B to come up with a new student loan forgiveness program for special situations, quote unquote. Uh, to where they're not using the Heroes Act, but we'll find special ways to find, uh, because if you're, like, you know, good-looking or something, then you can get your student loans forgiven. I'm assuming that's the uh, that's the staple that Joe Biden's going to be going under. So we'll see what plan they come up with, but they said they are working on Plan B, and the, they're, oh yeah, they're 12-month on-ramp as well. So if you can't pay for it, if you can, then awesome, do it. If you can't, then you still should, but you're not going to get a default. 
You're not going to go into default for your student loan if you can't make the payments with the interest beginning to accrue again in September. First payments coming up again in October for most government student loans. For those of us that have private student loans, you've been paying on them for the last three years and you're doing well in actually budgeting yourself and appropriately setting your budget to pay your bills like a common sense, rational, responsible adult tries to do. So, <laughs> I know. And for those that are, are not, and now are like, I don't know how to put that back in my budget. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to go back a couple of years and redo your budget to include that in there, like our federal government should do. <gasps> oh, mon Dieu. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. I do have some audio because uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the uh, Supreme Court justice who voted against the uh, repealing of affirmative action, is up in arms about how it is not violating. The argument that they made, if you didn't hear According to the Supreme Court, when they voted six to three, not even a, a tie breaking like five to four kind of thing. This was a six to three, pretty hefty majority for the Supreme Court to say that affirmative action needs to go away because it violates the 14th Amendment, which the 14th Amendment really says that you cannot judge someone based on their skin color. They have equal rights as everyone else. 15th Amendment says that they have the right to vote. Everybody, meaning, which means we all have the right to vote. We all have equal rights. You cannot judge someone based on your skin color. Affirmative action essentially says we're going to. Uh, separate people based on your skin color and then make sure that you have a certain quote-unquote percentage of those in the higher education system and we're going to go out of our way to disregard some that may be better qualified for elite schools like I don't know Harvard but we're going to choose someone who may not have as high of a degree but we're going to or high of a test score or as qualified but because you're a skin color therefore you're going to fit in much better for us is the argument that they've made and there's a lot of backlash going into that. So we'll try and touch on that here in just a little bit. There is a new headline, though, that shows that we are becoming more polarized largely on this issue and others, though. The identity politics, which the Democrats know is really the heartbeat of America right now, the flavor that we all focus on. It's not uh, philosophical issues. It's not economical issues, although those are big and important for some. The biggest issue that many focus on are identity politics, what skin color you are, what religion you are, what gender you associate as, which is why we're seeing the backlash with Bud Light and other companies that are trying to go down that road. And Americans, the sleeping beast, the sleeping majority that don't speak out usually are saying enough's enough and we're not going to fund you. And because of that, we've now seen the segregation not only in society based on skin color, but we've also seen the segregation based on businesses, the quote-unquote woke business, and the non-woke business. You either have to come out and say that you stand for law enforcement or that you stand for the LGBTQ community. You either come out and say you stand for free speech, which is controversial apparently, or you stand for censorship and quote-unquote trusting the science and following the science. So now, as a business, in order for you to succeed, apparently, you have to make a stand, which is now polarizing the economy which is dividing us even more so than what we could have ever imagined. We'll talk a little, some more about that when we come back right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today on a midweek celebration. Getting you back into the swing of things after the Independence Day holiday. Hopefully you've indulged yourself into the fireworks, blowing things up. 
enjoying the fire. I, I got to tell you, there was a story where many cities across the country are trying to transition from fireworks into drones, which drone shows are cool, don't get me wrong, but it's not a firework. It's not the sound, the boom. It's not the smell of the powder. It's not the excitement of whether I get to blow my hand off or not. There's a, <laughs> there's a level of excitement in the unknown like that and the danger in it that just makes you feel awesome. And, of course, this just goes along with the tradition of what we got to see all the way back when and how we celebrate for the 250th birthday of America. That's what we do on the program. So welcome into it as we get you back into the swing of things. Let's get into what's trending today. What do you say? What's trending today? So the division in America continues economically. Uh, Identity-wise, we have those that just don't enjoy America any longer. During the 4th of July, we had read a story of less of my generation, again, the millennials, which I apologize for all the time, that my generation, less and less of them are celebrating the patriotic holidays. Why? As we see division continue in the nation and really the change of the political landscape. If you look how the politics have changed over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's vastly different and you saw that change really, I mean, just take for an example, the just the, the the vile anger and hatred on the other side of the aisle from the Democrats when we really started that under the Bush administration. Remember how controversial it was when uh, the professor from University of Boulder in Colorado, Ward Churchill, said that, uh, that Bush was a Nazi. He was the spawn of Hitler and was a Nazi and a fascist. You remember how controversial that was? crazy that was when they tried to tell us that now that's just a common thing the democrats anytime they don't like someone like donald trump or even ron DeSantis now with his uh, fight against some of the quote-unquote woke businesses it's just a normality that is the common thing that you say is it a change for the good and how do we start seeing the political spectrum shift a little bit again excited to have on the program he is a senior fellow at the center for economic security he's also a chief global analyst at cabot wealth and author of the book power rivals america and china's superpower struggle excited to have on the program with us here at carl delfield carl how are you my friend i'm great great to be with you yeah excited to have you on the show it's a fascinating conversation because i don't think we've seen a resegregation of society like this really since, I don't know, maybe the Civil War, but we have an economic yeah. segregation now. We have an identity segregation. It seems like we're just living in two separate worlds right now. Yes, no question about it. We, we're so evenly divided, and it's funny that you bring up the Civil War because I lived in Colorado, and I've been to Wichita, a great place, and uh, I'm back here now in Washington, D.C., and the divisions are so stark, and I've been studying up on the Civil War, visiting battlefields in Virginia, and there's a lot of parallels with uh, that period. Uh, very tricky politics, and we really need a, a strong leadership. We're very divided, and, and uh, it's not just Republicans and de- Democrats. The independents, and I started a group called the Independent Republican, trying to work to persuade independents to vote Republican. It's going to be crucial in this next election cycle to somehow persuade them and mobilize them to vote Republican yeah. and against the uh, the Biden-Harris ticket. Do you think most independents, unaffiliated voters out there are 
upset with Biden and whether it's political because they yeah. they maybe see the middle of the road or they try to see both sides. Just looking at it economically, when we're sitting at four or five, six percent inflation, gas prices are through right. the roof. It's harder to actually get electricity to cool or heat your home. I mean, those issues alone, wouldn't that deter them away from the Biden admin? Yes. Well, there's issues on all. That's what we do. We're trying to build a model. Uh, what's the most important to this group? Now, this group, Gallup and Pew, put this independent group at about 40%, but of course that's that's way too high. But if you look at the the number of, of independents that don't you know, consistently vote Democrat or Republican, in other words, true independents, it's about 10 to 12%. But given that the elections have been so close, and I'm originally from Wisconsin, where the last two cycles, the Trump... Uh, Clinton and then Trump Biden, 20,000 votes separated the winner from the loser in both. Sure. So, yeah, economic issues, economic, financial, and, and national security are the issues that I'm pounding on. And of course, US China rivalry. Sure. That, that's a big one for sure, obviously. I mean, and that falls right into the economic stuff. I mean, when we see a right. lot of our resources coming over from China while we're, quote unquote, in a silent war, I think, with them right now, uh, yep. how do we? clean that matter up because we're importing massive amount of goods, but yet we realize right. that uh, China's kind of taken over everything. Yeah. Well, we really blundered. I mean, I, I was in Colorado and I couldn't believe it over the over two decades. We basically moved our industrial base to China. And yeah. we did it, you know, thinking that the, that, you know, the, the, the Cold War was over, peace was on the horizon, let free markets prevail, and companies and, you know, they were just doing what was rational to them, moving stuff to China, low cost, low labor costs, low costs, in an effort to lower their cost basis, increase their profits, increase their stock price. That's what it all was about. Nobody here or nobody in, in America, uh, obviously, worried about what that might mean as China got stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. And now we're in quite a predicament. Yeah, we really are. Uh, when it comes to policy with China, who, in your opinion, has handled that well? I mean, Obama really opened things up. Bush opened things up during, you know, the yeah. quote unquote globalization stuff. Trump, you know, really said that we want to start bringing stuff back home on the home front. And Biden says that. But is he really doing it? Yeah. Who's really handled this issue appropriately? Well, I would say that if you go back to like 2000 is when it started to really turn the other way pretty quickly. Uh, so, you know, uh W W was of course preoccupied with the Middle East, and then Obama came in, and he was he was sort of like non-confrontational. Trump, you got to give him credit; he changed the debate, yeah. and he started to confront China, but it was a little bit chaotic. And now Biden talks a good game, but little action. <laughs> That seems to be the case with a lot of issues that Biden's going through right yep. now. We're talking with Carl Delfield, author of the book Power Rivals, America and China's Superpower Struggle, talking about those independents and those uh, unaffiliated, trying to get them politically active. I mean, right now, historically, we see roughly 40 percent of the Americans turn out to, for a presidential election, which is really low in a society yeah. like we have here Who's going to bring them out? Is it going to be another Trump-Biden? Because most polls, Republicans support Trump overall. According to the polls, Democrats right. support Biden overwhelmingly overall. But when it comes to all voters, including independents, both of them poll very low. So who's going to be the one to actually rally them, excite yeah. them, and get them out to turn out to vote? Well, that's going to be the critical factor. I believe there's two issues, really key issues. Number one is Biden's health. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if if the economy continues to kind of uh, muddle through, and and his health stays uh, doesn't deteriorate in any way, then I think uh, he might have the edge. Uh, and with with uh, with uh, Donald Trump, I think the issue is independence. Now he did well with independence in 2016, but not well in 2020. And so, you know, that's going to be the issue. It's it's you know, independents are, are are a bit wary of, of of Trump. So that's the challenge I face. Whether it's Trump or some other, uh, whether it's DeSantis, whether it's Nikki Haley or somebody else, nobody knows exactly what's going to be the case in 2024. But that's going to be the challenge to somehow, I think the key is what you mentioned earlier, economics, to just drive home that just in terms of your job, your stock portfolio, your kid's future, it's much smarter to vote Republican than Democratic. Yeah, well, that's very true. I think the Democrat Party has uh, kind of ousted the majority of their base. When we see the Bernie Sanders type, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez types, when we see the Joe Biden types, that's not the majority of the Democrat Party. The party is, at least it used to be, center slightly left, which I think opens up the opportunity for someone, and we've talked about him a lot on the show, is like Robert F. Kennedy, who's not polling necessarily well, but is really running the campaign on Let's start bringing everybody back together and have a common sense conversation again. Yeah, he's an interesting character. I I've watched some of his stuff. I I, I really I really think he kind of cuts across. Interestingly enough, he cuts across both sides. I can see parts of RFK appealing to even Trump voters. Yeah, quite frankly. Oh, he appeals uh, to me very well. Now, and the, I the think far it's... left, though, the far left hates him. Yeah, of course. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's a struggle for him, but I think. I, I admire him throwing his hat in the ring. I, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, he's still got some Democrat policies I don't care for, some Second Amendment issues and others. But when right. he goes on the vaccine issue, when he goes on the government's not supposed to be starting wars all over the place issues, when he talks about some of those, he's appealing to, like you said, a lot of Republicans and a lot of Trump supporters. I, I think with how censored he has been and with how censored Trump has been, I would love to see a Trump-Kennedy ticket to go on both sides of the aisle and just well, shake them up. That would that would that throw would things for a loop. I'd love to see. I see. I'd love to see them all on the on the. Uh, you know, he could go independent. And they could all be on the on the uh, debate stage, which would be fascinating. But I think RFK is sort of like it's interesting. It's I don't know what you think, but he's a blend of of uh, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Don't you think? To a degree, to a degree. I mean, I haven't heard yeah. much of his economic policy, and I hope he doesn't go too far to the left on that front. But he is a wild yeah. card that I think is shaking up the party on the yeah. Democrat side, and I think that's good news. Right. I, yeah. I, I agree. I think I think it's it's healthy to have these kind of outlier candidates in there, um, maybe not in the general election, because yeah. as we know from the past, with elections being so close, it could it could move it one way or the other, uh, Republican or Democratic, which, you know, may not be a good thing. That's very true. Carl Delfield, it is author of the book Power Rivals America and China's Superpower Struggle. Carl, we're out of time, my friend. we got to get you back on the show again real soon, brother. Thank you. Good to be with you. Hey, appreciate it. You as well. Good stuff. We'll recap some of that when we come back here. One more segment right around the corner. Stay here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. Last couple minutes of the show. Thanks again to Carl Delfield coming on the program. Interesting conversation. The political landscape changing. Where is the future of the Democrat Party headed? Where is the future of the Republican Party headed? And how do we reach that independent, unaffiliated mindset, which is a large portion of the country? Now, I, I say that with a grain of salt because while they are a large portion of the populace, while they are a large portion of... Uh, I. Take that back. They're a portion, not a large or small, really, portion of the electorate in the country. They are definitely some type of impact. Now, I say that because, obviously, an independent cannot win the presidency. Very few of them can actually win in Congress at all. In fact, in the Senate, there's like one or two, right? Uh, Three total. There's three total in the entire nation. Out of 100 senators, there are three that are independents. There are even about that same on the House of Representatives side. So being an independent third-party advocate is a very difficult thing to do. The Libertarian Party is not going to be the answer. The Independent Party is not going to be the answer. But there are a lot of independent, quote-unquote, thinkers in the nation. And who do they lean towards. And while they may not like the party idea, because I don't want to be part of a party, I'm a wicked, wild, free thinker independently, that's cool, but what do they associate with? What are their views? What do they stand for is what is kind of the wild card, because most of them, at least in my opinion, would be relatively center-right. Maybe not radical conservative, but maybe center-right. Now, let leads into another conversation of what is actually conservative, what is quote-unquote moderate in today's times with the ever-changing political landscape. Where does that spectrum fall on what is moderate and what is not moderate from either the right or the left? But that's another theoretical uh, conversation for another time. But uh, we we have to learn to appeal to them, and it's getting them active and cleaning up the parties on both ends. Here's the tip for you Democrats as well, that you need to clean up the party in order to appeal to them again. And doing that by ostracizing Anybody that you disagree with, like the AOCs have done, is probably not the best idea to do so. Real quick, in the last couple of minutes before we wrap up here, I want to kind of recap 4th of July with, if you remember, the whole purpose of the 4th of July, which is the public announcement of the Declaration of Independence, saying that we will be an independent sovereign nation and to hell with you, Great Britain and the king, because we're tired of your taxes, we're tired of your government, we're tired of your regulations, we're tired of the taxation without representation. And while we tried to start our own nation, we had a lot of great ideas on what grievances we had and what we wanted to do to fix them. Now, Cori Bush, for those that don't know, a radical left-wing congresswoman, part of the B-Squad in Washington, D.C., that hangs out with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, made a tweet on July 4th that said the Declaration of Independence was written by enslavers and didn't recognize black people as human. Today is a great day to demand reparations now. Now, I want to show you how stupid that is, as you can see very well and openly and publicly how uh, anti-patriotic many, even in our elected officials, are. I want to read to you for a second, and I'm going to do it in the best that I can in reading Old English, which is very difficult to do at times. The very original Declaration of Independence that Thomas Jefferson had written before some of the edits and the adding and taking away of certain things, but... The original Declaration of Independence, for those that may not be aware, actually mentioned as a grievance in the Declaration the grievances of having slavery as part of a nation. As he said, 
uh, with all the grievances for imposing this by doing this by doing this, that the king has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred right of life and liberty and the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. This uh, piratical piratical warfare, again, uh, uh, the opprobrium of infidel powers, the warfare of the Christian king of Great Britain, determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. He has prostituted his negatives for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or to restrain them, this execrable commerce. And this assemblage of horrors might want uh, no fact the distinguished die, he is exciting those very people to rise in arms among us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them and murdering the people upon whom is also obtruded them, thus paying off former crimes committed against the liberties of one people. Meaning, the king is open about slavery, which slavery is a horrible thing, violating the most sacred of humans of life and liberty, and then trying to pit the black slaves against the um, rebels in the American Revolution and how horrible and horrendous those accusations actually are. Original Declaration of Independence, abhorring slavery, but yet we embraced it, right? The lack of knowledge that the left has is insane here in the United States, and it's our duty to try and remind individuals what this nation's really all about.